everybody and welcome to Gaza Guy podcast with me, Mal Musa from Gaza. Today my guest is Mabel Evans, the co-founder, CEO of Antai Female Genital Utilation Charity, Viva Vintas. Viva Vintas is a UK-based charity made up of people of different ages, culture, backgrounds, genders, nationalities, walking together towards a common goal to end female genital mutilation. As well as her charity and activism work, Mabel is a film and a creative producer at Lift Eye. Please welcome Mabel Evans to Gazakai Podcast. How would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners of Gazakai Podcast? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Mabel Evans and as Mo said, I co-founded the Viva Avengers, um, which initially started as a group of artists that were coming together to understand how we could use our skill and use our um, artwork to amplify the voices of survivors of female genital mutilation. So. I found out about female genital mutilation when I was at college in London in a film studies class and we were watching foreign films and my teacher mentioned FGM and when I and my friend found out that 200 million women in the world are having the most sensitive parts of their bodies, their clitoris, their labia, forcibly removed and sometimes sewn up so they're unable to urinate, they're unable to menstruate. You know, we don't really understand how they even get pregnant often because they're sewn up so tight. And we really just wanted to do something. You know, what can we as sort of those from the non-practicing communities do to support survivors and support those who are working on the front lines in London, who are encountering the women who've been um, subjected to FGM what can we do to help them? So we started by fundraising and getting the UK's first billboard against the practice with a helpline for women and girls at risk because it was just, you know, there is care and specialist um, assistance out there for you. And then following that, we started doing events. So we started inviting musicians and poets and graphic designers to create artwork, not only around FGM, but also around gender-based violence. Because really what we understood was that art is the most effective means. Art, as you know, Mo, poetry, it's, you know, you, you alchemize a lot of pain into positive change and positive action. Yeah, that's kind of where we, where we began and been working as a film producer in documentaries. So I'm currently working on a documentary. I was until Corona happened about um, FGM in Sierra Leone. Because in Sierra Leone, 86% of women um, have had their clitoris forcibly removed and their labia forcibly removed. And it's all to become the perfect wife and the perfect kind of baby making machine, removing a woman's autonomy really. so yeah, it's a it's an interesting it's an interesting mix now working within the film industry and within the anti-FGM campaign because my work has become international, which is really exciting. I got to travel to Sierra Leone in January 
and experience and witness what's going on over there. But the core of all the work we do in the charity and all the work I want to do is focusing on the survivors and understanding that they have the best means and the best knowledge of how to make change and how to protect women. So we just want to support them. So we fundraise for them to carry out their work. We do capacity and skills training with them. So we teach them how to build their own website or you know, fill in funding applications basically ensure that their work is as supported as possible. Wow, that's so beautiful to hear, Mabel. Like, can you share a story that was touching for you from the stories of the women that you work with? Sorry, um, I just heard today, actually. So when the pandemic started, we launched with KDLK, which is another organization here in London, a sort of COVID-19 response shop for refugee and asylum seekers here in the UK um, because we really recognise that during this time there are many, many people in London who have who are unable to access government funding, you know, people that don't have citizenship. Unfortunately, our country has some really abhorrent laws around um, asylum seeker status, like you're not allowed to work, but you have, you know, you're paid, you're given absolutely nothing to live on. So when the virus started, you know, we met up with our colleagues and we said, hold on, you know, the refugee asylum seeker community are going to be facing a really scary time right now, more so than anyone, because their cash in hand jobs might not be there anymore. So anyway, we launched this shop and we got over 190 people within the first two weeks coming to us, giving, we gave them food vouchers and basic necessities. And this is in London, right? It's crazy. It's unbelievable. And, um, Today we met with the team and they were telling me a story of a woman who is basically very heavily pregnant and they suspect that she's endured FGM and she doesn't speak English very well. So she's getting, she bought this pile of letters that she's getting from social services and social services are telling her that she's missing all of these dates and they're going to take custody of one of her children. But this woman does not understand English, right? And she's heavily pregnant. So expecting her to understand a letter that isn't in her language, and then at eight and a half months pregnant, turn up halfway across London for these court hearings, you know, her not being able to do those things could result in her losing a child. So what the, the reason this story really struck me today was because what's happening is that the grassroots organizations like ours are doing all of this work that the Home Office should be doing themselves, which is changing and adapting the way that they interact with those who might not have English as a first language or are currently have refugee status or asylum seeker status here in London. You know, these people are being completely left and forgotten by the system. And then you add the fact that they might be dealing with FGM health complications on top of that. So. You know, they might have real pain when they sit down, they might be experiencing hemorrhaging, and they have no idea where to go. They have no idea of the help that's available for them. So this story really made me realize that we need to be advocates for these people. We need to find someone that can translate and guide, you know, whether it's an Arabic speaker, whether it's a Farsi, you know, Somali speaker, a Sierra Leone Creole speaker, just basically pair up these people in London with 
relevant um, translators in order to make sure that they're not suddenly you know, losing a child because they just can't understand the endless documents the Home Office is issuing to them. What inspired you to start the Favinders and what is the purpose you have been looking uh, after or you have been looking for uh, to start the Favinders? The only, the only way I could describe it, and I was actually talking to my mum about this the other day, because she said, you know, Mabel, why do you... She basically can't understand why I just put myself in the thick of these very intense, very human real situations all the time. And my brother too. And I just don't, I just don't know what purpose I would have on this planet if not to recognize the privilege I have, mm. recognize the skills I have, and then offer them to help someone that does not have that privilege and does not have that skill. Like, I would just be really a depressed person if I didn't have a channel to kind of do that. And the team, the team, like the Avengers team, the women and men I work with, you know, they're just inspiring. These, these, some of these women, you know, have been fled Sierra Leone in the war, ended up in London, got a bachelor's degree, launched their own organization, and now completely give all their time to supporting other women who've endured their trauma. And that to me is like, it's so inspiring because I haven't endured the trauma, thankfully. So, you know, I have my own strength in that I can, I can give like my skills and my capacity where they might not be able to. And I think, yeah, I just can't really imagine a life that wouldn't be revolved around just trying to basically find balance in this world. You know, there's so much imbalance. And it's like, you just want to be, I'm sure you feel this, Mo, right? You just want to be somebody that uses their time to restore balance and equality. I think you're a gift to those who are around you. Yeah. I've seen that you are in a musical band and you're a drummer. How do you manage all that? Like, you play drums, create films, working with the Favinters. Like, how you manage all this? And just staying, stay, staying sane and staying centered yeah. because the work you know, it's like any activist knows if you're not feeling good, you're unable to deliver the best work you can. And so the band for me is a chance to get with five other, five other, five other women, which in itself is empowering, right? And just exert energy and play. I love playing the drums. It feels so, um, it just feels so natural and it's so releasing. And then the videography, so I'm a film producer. That, that really is like, I was thinking how, how, does, how can you spread information the most effectively across the globe? And it's through films. So the, the charity work made me realize, okay, I want to get into film so I can translate these messages and stories into work that's going to affect an international audience. That's how they're all linked, but they're not really like, it's a bit, sometimes I look at my life and I'm like, what if this is crazy? <laughs> I'm going from band practice to a refugee community center, you know, to complete somewhere completely different, but I love it. I love the variation. I feel very lucky, very lucky to have it. I just wonder what a typical day would look like for you, Mabel. Well, I mean, now it's a very weird time. <laughs> no day is typical, it's all. It's all really odd. Um, I would say before lockdown, my typical day would be like wake up about 7 a.m., um, meditate, 
for 20 minutes. Go for a run if I'm feeling good and come back, make myself a cup of tea or a coffee and start working on the Avengers stuff like admin, responding to emails, calling the team, making sure the team are all happy and they know what they're doing, they know what the priorities are at the moment. And then I might make myself some lunch and normally in the afternoons, I try to go and do my meetings. So I might go and meet a typical day, I might go and meet Sarian Kamara, who's an incredible, incredible woman um, who has a little shop in Peckham. And I might go meet her and start discussing her anti-FGM workshop series. And then go to band practice in the evening, meet up with the girls, do a rehearsal and either go out and meet a friends or stay at home. So I really, I really don't like um, days that are the same. I'm not, I could never work in an office. I would go crazy. Um, for me, the important thing in my day is to connect with people and yeah, just have real experiences. I don't want to spend my days being asleep and kind of just walking about like a robot. It's really important that I have awareness, which is why I do meditation, because I don't ever want to forget the privilege I have being in the city, you know, being white, being a white woman. Um, and sometimes, you know, life gets so heavy, you start thinking you've got it so bad because my tire's flat. And <laughs> I don't know, that person didn't respond to my email and God, life is so hard. And I just really try and push that far away because, you know, in my work, I just understand, yeah, how many experiences people are having around the world, which they don't have freedom in. Um, so yeah, that's my typical day. You say you recognize the privilege that you have uh, and this has uh, forced you to do the work you do. Mabel, how do you treat yourself? And what will what would make you feel uh, satisfied, fulfilled? Um, I think it, everything in balance, again, you know? It's not, it's not healthy to be hard on yourself all the time. Um, for me, that, that kind of hardness I sometimes have with myself, it can be fuel for the fire, you know? it kind of adds fuel to the fire. But equally, you're right. It's really important to still enjoy and be happy. And I just feel very lucky that I found my passion and I have a channel for my passion because I think a lot of people are very confused about what they want. And a lot of people want to help, you know? I think it's a very natural thing for humans to want to give back and want to participate. But a lot of people don't really know how, so I try to be kind to myself and kind to others when they don't engage with the world like I want them to. How do you yeah. find the community that you were in react to the work your organization do? Well, it's interesting. When I first started, um, a lot of people were very suspicious of me because I'm a white woman. And they're like, what are you doing here? You know, this is kind of not your problem and not your fight. And that was quite interesting. And that made me grow quite a lot because, you know, I, I started to find my voice and my confidence in kind of saying this is everybody's responsibility to stop this happening. Um, but the, the sector, the reason that we became a registered charity was because 
I recognised, me and Hodda recognised that, that there was a gap in the campaign stopping FGM. You know, we realised there wasn't any organisation that was kind of focusing on the arts to spread the message and raise awareness and money. So I think we just always want to respond to demand. You know, we never want to, to just say, oh, we're relevant, you know, we make sense. We want there to be a clear need for our work or we're not going to do it. Yeah. And I can tell you, I can tell you that like there are so many survivors and grassroots organizations that need more support. You know, I wish that there was more of us because we just only work with a few, but we just help them in kind of making sure they can carry out their work, you know? We don't say that we know, we don't say that we, we're gonna do it best. There are women doing and men doing incredible work. We just wanna make sure that they can continue. I think that's always gonna be valuable. Mabel, as a young activist, what message would you send to the young gender activists who are eager to do something, eager to start their activism, or they maybe didn't find the way to start that, their activism? What a message Mabel would send to them? How should they start? What should they do? Yeah, so this question gets asked a lot. Um, it depends where you are in the world, but if you have access, now everything is online, but the first step I would say is understanding what what you want to change. So what is it in the world that you feel a, a big sense of injustice about? And then educate yourself and attend online events and in-person events because that's how I ended up entering into the sector, was going to many, many events, just constantly, you know, conferences, um, all these events engaging yourself and then what happens is that you meet other people who will welcome you in and you'll meet people that will mentor you and that will say hey you know thank you for engaging this is really important and means a lot to us anyone that wants to get involved or is feeling apathetic which is like to me the scariest emotion um apathy and just immerse yourself in the world and you'll be inspired by what you see and what you hear and i think that's when the fire in your belly starts once you really emerge. Now let's talk about the uh, left eye. So left eye blind is actually where I worked for two years as a development um, and research producer. So what I was doing there was basically diving into the stories that we wanted to make into films. And it was really, really interesting because it just meant that I was educating myself on many different social injustices that are currently happening in the world. And there is a lot. <laughs> there is not, there's no shortage. Yeah. There is no shortage of them. So I was looking into uranium mining in, the, in Arizona and America. And then someone approached me at a talk I was giving about FGM with Hoda and said, hey, we're making this film in Sierra Leone about FGM, you know, do you want to look at it? And I looked at it and I just saw the potential this story has to really blow the lid on the, the silence around FGM that we see everywhere, like nobody. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm working on now. And I've, in the past, I've done music videos and short films, which have been fun. But I sometimes find it hard to commit myself to a job if it's 
not going to positively be impacting the world. So when I was doing music videos, I didn't feel very fulfilled because I was just like, this is really nice, but I don't really know why we're putting all this energy into making like a nice video <laughs> for a song, <laughs> which is really judgmental of me. Like, very judgmental, you know, because that for some people is filling and I have no judgment that that's fulfilling for them. But I just, my brain just doesn't work like that. Well, Mo, when you come to London, I'll introduce you. When you're in London, I'll introduce you to all of my friends who are all incredible social justice warriors and activists. Yeah. Well, thank you, thank you for taking the time to, to interview me. It's been really wonderful to speak to you. Who I am and what I do is completely a reflection of you as well. And I just want to say, yeah, I have great respect and admiration that you are channeling these voices and doing what you do. I think it's just incredible. I don't really know how to put it into words. It's more of a feeling, just beautiful, really. It was a pleasure having you, Mabel, on Casa Guy podcast. Keep up the good work.